are always the ones that end up being super chaotic in my world. Some of y'all are visiting and you're wondering, is he always this all over the place? Yes. And there you are. <laughs> um, let's uh, pray in preparation for the message. Um, Heavenly Father, I'd uh, uh, thank you just for the, the opportunity I have to share the word this morning. Help me to be faithful in, in my, uh, in my uh, speaking, Lord, that I would, would just reflect your heart and your will and what the, word, what the words say, Lord, not what my agenda is, not what my desires are, but um, Lord God, help me to, to just unpack your word properly. And I pray the folks here would uh, just like hear from you, not from me, Lord, that, that your word and your spirit would find a, find a place in their hearts that they would grow into a, uh, into a great harvest, Lord. I pray um, that, you, that you would work despite me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are at the end of John 5. Um, this will be the last John sermon we do for a while. Uh, we're going into summer, and as soon as I figure out what we're going to do next, we'll do that next. Um, but we're working through John, and, and um, we're going to finish up this section here. And um, kind of before we dive into it, I, I, uh, I, I wanted to share a verse that, that um, Jeremy shared last night um, at, the, at the baccalaureate. It's Proverbs 16.9. Um, in the hearts of man, the hearts of humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Um, again, like the the hearts of men plan their steps, but the Lord establishes their steps. I, I uh, or plan their path, but the Lord establishes their steps. The the idea behind this is we make decisions, we decide what we're going to do, and then God laughs at us and He does what He wants. Um, and and as we're kind of getting to the end of this, it's it's actually pretty fitting, and I wanted to I wanted to come at it right, and I wanted to to approach this. We're going to talk a little bit about pride today. Um, we know what pride is, right? Most of us are are pretty familiar with the concept. I I, I was reading and looking for a story to share, and I I uh, came across one. I don't normally share stories that belong to other people, but I it made me laugh. But a pastor who was doing counseling, he had a had a gal come to him, like one of the women from the church, and uh, she said, Pastor, i got a sin I'm struggling with. And, and she says, you know, I, I show up every Sunday morning and I look around at the other women and I realize that I am the prettiest woman here. And, and I, I feel so bad for the other women that they have to be, you know, here with me and I'm so gorgeous. And, he's in, and the pastor looks at her and he says, Honey, that's, that's, that's not a sin. That's just an error. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the the problem with pride is that it's like this disease that makes everyone sick except us, right? We have this habit of looking around and saying, this guy's wrong, this guy's got it wrong, this guy's messed up, this guy doesn't have it together like I do, this guy isn't as great as I am, this guy, you know, and we, we get puffed up and we get lost in ourselves. And the, the Proverbs passage that, that Jeremy shared, I think it's valuable, I think it's worth understanding that um, as much as we think we're in charge, as much as we think we know what's best, in reality, God has it really nailed down. Um, God really understands like, like where our life is going and where it would be best to go. As I, as I look back, I, I uh, can think of all these times in my life when I thought I knew what was best and, and God planned my path and it ended up being very different than what I wanted and I'm grateful that, that it ended up different, right? 
Can anybody else relate to that where God does what he wants and you're like, man, I'm glad it worked out this way, but man, I was not happy about it at the time. Um, what, what we're looking at, I'm going to just kind of talk about chapter 5 and we'll sort of dive in and just be aware, like the central theme here we're looking at is this pride thing, this, this idea that God has it in hand, that God knows what he is doing and we can either work with that plan or we cannot, right? Um, my, my children, well, it's chapter 5. Um, chapter 5 starts off with a healing. This is about two months ago. I have really beaten this passage to death uh, where Jesus heals a fella. And um, he does it on the Sabbath, and the, the religious leaders at the time get really ticked off, and they're like, you can't heal people on the Sabbath, that's not okay. And Jesus says, well, God works on, Sunday, or on Saturday on Sabbath, so do I. And they get really mad at him, and they're like, well, hey, you can't make yourself equal with God. And so then the next passages that follow, there's about 30 or 40 of them in there, where Jesus jumps up and he starts explaining his case. And this is where, like, John's whole book has this trial-like theme to it, where it's all building up to Jesus being tried illegally and executed. And um, John sort of works through this theme and just beats this drum to death, that Jesus is testifying about who he is, that Jesus is explaining his mission, that Jesus is being examined by the religious authorities. And this chapter 5 is like, is like, like arguing his case. And in the previous messages, we've looked at kind of how that's worked, but we're at the very end of it. And what we find out in chapter 5 is that the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees, these religious leaders, they think they're putting Jesus on trial, but in reality, like, they can't because he's God, right? Like, my kids will get mad at me sometimes, and they think they can put me on trial. They think they can accuse me, but in reality, like, they just can't. You know, even if they're right, they can't because I'm in charge. Does that make sense? And, like, for us to turn around and point our finger at God and say, well, you know what, God, here's what you should be doing, and here's in, you know, he's God. What's he, you know, how are you going to call him to account? Um, and ultimately, God is right is the problem. And so as we come into this, John, Jesus is getting to the very end of his talk. We're going to re, re-look at a couple of verses from last week, and then we're going to get the last, like, seven verses, and then no more John for three months. All right? Um, I promise. Uh, <laughs> And I make plans and God laughs. Um, So 39 to 40, this is from last week. It'll be on the screen. There are Bibles in the pews if you want to read along. I highly recommend it. Um, You search the scriptures. He's talking to the Pharisees. And he says, listen, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you will have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Now what's going on here is Jesus is at the very end of his accusations. He's at the very end of his pleading his case, and he sort of turned the tables and he said, look, you religious folks, you think you know what you're talking about, but you don't. And he he sort of hits his most scathing part here. He says, you sit down and you read the Bible, the Old Testament, right? You read it over and over again. You memorize it. You study it. You fill yourself up with it. And in the end, you have no idea what you're doing Um, because reading the Bible is only useful Thank you. It's useful to God, but it's useful because it points us in a direction. Like uh, Jeremy Eccles isn't in the room right now, so I'll, he and I were talking about the, the stop sign on the edge of town when you cross over to Main Street, you know, to go downtown. You all know what I'm talking about? Who stops at that stop sign? Who California stops that stop sign? Really, is it just a, yeah, I saw you. <laughs> 
it's a reality that, like, I read that sign. I know it says stop. I know it has a specific meaning. It's pointing to a larger direction for me. And what do I do? Cruise right on past. Because I'm pretty sure I can make it on my own, right? I don't need to stop. I can see traffic, like, five miles out. It's Montana. It's big and flat. Um, And I'm a pretty good driver, unless you ask my wife um, or any of the other survivors. Um, and so, like, like me reading that stop sign, it only has value if I read it as pointing to a larger reality, right? Because the stop sign, it's not literature, right? I'm not going to sit down like an English teacher and figure out what the color of the stop sign symbolizes and why there are six or eight, is it eight? Why there are eight signs on the stop sign and why you only have to slow down at the ones with the white line around the edge. Um <laughs> All of these things, like, they point to a bigger reality. For me to not understand that reality makes the sign pointless. Got it? Like, if I look at that and I ignore it or I miss the purpose of the stop sign for whatever reason, um, the sign becomes worthless. And I toss myself out in front of traffic and take a risk, right? Um, So it is with the scriptures. And Jesus is talking to these Pharisees. He's like, look, you guys memorize the word of God. You study it. You read it all the time. And actually, since he's probably talking to Pharisees, there was a teacher. The guy's name was Hillel. He was around about 100 years before Jesus. And he and another fellow named Shammai, they were the great Jewish teachers. And they argued about the Bible. And Hillel was the guy the Pharisees all loved and studied. And so he was like the man, right? And so Hillel would say that you study the scriptures because the more you study the scriptures, the more likely you are to go to heaven. And it was just that. Putting it inside you, swallowing the word of God, the whole nine yards, made you acceptable to God. Jesus steps in and he says, no, studying the scriptures alone doesn't make you acceptable to God. The scriptures point to me, right? They point to me, and you either like come to me because of it, or you miss the point. It's like seeing the stop sign and not understanding it. You know, or seeing that 70 miles an hour sign as a suggestion, right? And it is a suggestion, but in reality, the scriptures aren't a suggestion. They point to a truth. It, it is a suggestion. <laughs> um, I, sorry, I'm off track here. Um, so, like, understand, he, he says to him, look, study the word, but study the word because it will help you know me. God testifies through the scriptures as to the reality of Jesus, to who he is and what his job is and what his purpose is and what's going on and how we can be saved, the whole nine yards. It's all in the scriptures. And, and they are a sign, a giant neon light pointing at Jesus. Um, so 41 and 42, this is last week we kind of closed off on that, but I can't emphasize the importance of it enough. Um, and Jesus turns around and he says, I do not receive glory from people. How many of y'all like being praised? <laughs> awesome job, right? I, I made sure this morning, my, my kids, we were sitting around, and Jess was sitting at my desk um, doing something with my computer, and, and I, I had the kids, I, I took them out of the room, and I said to my son, Titus, I want you to go and tell Mama that she's beautiful. And he went in and he says, Mama, are you beautiful? And you know, Okay, uh, and I, Abby did it, and Abby did it pretty well, and, and that's smart of her because she looks just like her mom, um, and, and I tell her she's pretty, and like all of this like praise, like that's a nice thing, right? Like who doesn't like being told how awesome they are? Um, Jesus, however, is stopping and saying, you religious leaders, you are so wound up about the folks around you 
praising you and pointing out how good you are and pointing out how holy you are and pointing out how religious you are and pointing out, I mean, like, you're so, like, like uh, wound up about it, actually. It's, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I, I do not receive glory from people. So Jesus says, listen, I don't want your glory. What you say to me does not add to me, right? Um, and the reason he says that is because the only glory Jesus is worried about is the Father, right? Um, the people around you at work may say you do a good job, but if the boss doesn't say you do a good job, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, we do a, a big cooking contest every year, and the people around you may say you make the best brisket, but if you don't have an award on your shelf, you know, it doesn't matter, right, Ann? Uh, <laughs> I know she does. <laughs> um, but I have to pick on Ann because I love her. That's how I am. Um, he says, listen, I do not receive glory from people. I don't want your glory. I want the Father's glory. What matters to me is that God the Father, the Creator, um, says that I'm doing a good job. And he says, listen, I know that you folks, you don't have the love of God within you. You're not, you're not filled with the love of God, meaning like you are not looking to God and saying, I, I'm all about you. Um, he says, I've come in the Father's name, but you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name you'll receive him. Now, um, watch this. He says, listen, I'm here. The Father sent me. I have proof the Father sent me because I perform miracles, right? Anybody know folks that perform miracles? Bring dead people back to life? Yes, God does, and that's the point. Um, Make deaf people hear. Like, this is an argument about Jesus making a man who had been lame for 35 years stand up and walk around. And they're like, wait a minute, you did that on the wrong day of the week? He's like, how are you missing the point here, people? I healed a lame man, and you're worried about the Sabbath? And, and he says, listen, I'm here in the Father's name. I have proof that I'm here in the Father's name. You agree with my teachings, but you're unhappy with me, and you don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. And here's why. Because, because these are guys who are worried about their own praise, right? And so they look for God to send someone who's going to play their game. Does that make sense? Like they start looking around and they say, if I'm going to have a Jesus, I'm going to have a Jesus who does what I want. Um, there are lots of guys like that. You, you can see them. Um, um, folks will tell you, look, if you have faith, God will give you money. Right? If you, if you just have faith and say the right prayers and send me a seed offering, God will make you rich. Um, and people like that because it's nice to think that God might be like a, like a slot machine, Right? You know, you pull that lever enough times, eventually God will pay off. Except that's not how God works, right? Or you'll see folks who will come along and, and they say, well, the Jesus I believe in is, you know, the one who's going to give me my best life now and make me feel good about myself and make me see, feel happy and stay the course and everything's fantastic. But in reality, like you look at who Jesus really is, he's not saying, hey, you're awesome, good job. He's saying, hey, come and follow me and I'll give you rest. Follow my teachings, I'll make your life better. I will save you from your sins if you... Like, like, become one of my people. And, like, this is, this is the promise that Jesus makes. He doesn't promise us good self-esteem. But we're kind of in an era where people love that, right? That's, that's why Joel Osteen has a church bigger than the county of Chodo. You know, Chodo County. Like, like that, that's why he can do that is because people can listen to him preach and they can say, I feel good about myself now. It doesn't matter that he didn't preach the gospel. I'll accept this Jesus because he makes me feel good. And he's saying to these religious leaders, you're looking for someone who's going to play your game. But if you can put a leash on God and lead him around, he ain't God. 
right? If you can drag God around by his nose, he ain't God. Um, if you can tell God how to treat you, he stops being God and he becomes like you know a pet or a houseplant. Like, God does not operate that way. Um, God leads, we follow. Um, and he says, you, you folks, you're so worried about looking good. Um, and actually, like, there's kind of a subtext to this. In about 30 years, there's going to be a fellow that comes along um, um, who claims to be the Messiah. And these religious leaders are going to follow him, and there's going to be a big rebellion against Rome, and Rome is going to come through and kill almost all of them. And they're going to burn the city of Jerusalem down. They're going to make Jewish faith illegal in the promised land. They're going to deport all the Jews to other places in the world. And that will be the point in time when Jerusalem or when Israel ceases to exist completely until like the 1950s, 40s, 40s, right? That's somewhere in there. Um, and, and he's saying, listen, you will follow anyone because you're more concerned about you than you are about me. Um, and it is the case. Like, it is an easy thing to do. We see churches all over the world right now that are saying we're going to abandon sound biblical doctrine in favor of this because it, it's popular, because it's easy, because it's this, because it's that. Um, I read an exchange last night between a couple of guys I, I don't know real well, um, but they were arguing over something that came down to, like, well, look, you either do what Jesus taught or you don't. And one guy's like, well, how dare you? I can live however I want, and Jesus will love me anyway. Well, he'll love you, but it doesn't mean you're following him. Um, so Jesus says, listen, you will follow anyone if he'll just come and like sit as your lapdog. There's also another element of this. These are religious leaders, and they expected Jesus to come along and get their stamp of approval, and he kind of refused because he's Jesus. He doesn't need their stamp of approval. He only needs God the Father's stamp of approval. So he's like... Forget you guys, I'm not doing your thing. And they get mad and they say, well, we're, we're, we're not about you. And you're on trial now. We don't like you. And it turns out badly for them. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Meaning, how can you believe in me? How can you believe in the one the Father sent if the only thing you're worried about is each other? If your only thing you're worried about is puffing each other up. How can you believe if the thing you worry about is how good you look and how awesome you are and how you make each other feel, but you ignore the Father? Um, I, uh, I love my wife. She's not in the room, so I can pick on her. Um, I, uh, I like posting on Facebook. I, I'll do things for her, and I'll post pictures. You guys seen this? Or I'll do stuff for my kids, and I'll post them on Facebook. You know, and, and if I do those things so that people can recognize how great of a husband I am and tell me how good of a husband I am, but I don't care whether or not my wife likes it, I'm kind of missing the point. Got it? You know, I camped in the living room with my kids last weekend, or on Friday, and, and they loved it. And I posted pictures, and all kinds of people said, oh, you're such a great dad, you're such a great this, you're such a great that. If my kids hate it, I'm not that good of a dad, Right? If, if my kids don't want that, but I'm doing it so everyone can see how great I am, I'm missing the point. And honestly, if I were to stand up here and I were to share the gospel with you or preach from the Bible, but I were to preach it the way it is going to make a big congregation, make me a lot of money, get me a nice hot tub and everything else, um, I wouldn't really be doing right before God. I can't really follow Jesus and do my own thing. I either follow or I don't. Um, which, by the way, comes back to that passage, right? We plan our own steps, or we plan our way, and God plans our steps. 
Um, and we need to try and make those things the same, right? One of the great goals in life, especially as you like step into new stages, is to harmonize those things. If you can manage to figure out what God is aiming for, and you can walk in his path, life works well, right? Um, it might be hard sometimes, but you're right before God. If you pick your own path, and God says, go this way, and you say, I'm going this way, um, it's, a, it's a sure way to create problems with him. Do you not think that I will accuse you to the Father? Or do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There's one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. So Jesus then says, and these are the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were nuts about the law. Moses brought the law. That was their obey this, go to heaven, right? Obey the law, go to heaven. Obey the law, go to heaven. And Jesus comes along and he says, listen, you love Moses, but don't think I'm going to be the one who accuses you to the Father. Moses is going to accuse you. <laughs> because Moses, being in the scriptures, what do the scriptures do? They point, they point to Jesus. He just said it a minute ago, right? He says, the scriptures point to me. Everything... <laughs> I think I said something about a short cord I might trip over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He says, listen, everything in the scriptures points to me, and so everything Moses wrote wrote points to me, and because you're not concerned about what I'm saying, and you're not concerned about finding the truth in the scriptures, you're only concerned about your own thing, the day is going to come when the thing you put your hope in is going to accuse you, right? And really, the law accuses you, because if you try to be good enough to be right for God, like, every time you break the law, that's going to be the thing that points out that you're in trouble, Right? Every time you, you know, every time you do anything that defies the law. Whereas Jesus comes along and says, have faith in me. I will die and take punishment for your sins. I will take all of that, like, on me, and you'll be saved. And then from that point forward, from that point forward, I'll be the one who stands with you in heaven and says, you're saved. You're forgiven. You're right before God. But these guys don't believe it. And so they say, we're going to go by the law, and the law will accuse them. Because the law only tells us we cannot be perfect in front of God. Like, man, it drove me nuts for years. I thought, well, how good do I need to be? You don't need to be good enough. You need to follow Jesus. That's what saves us. Um, For if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. He comes back to the same point. Moses talked about me. Everything he said is about me. Figure it out, people. Um, all the sacrifices Moses taught us, they were about me. All of of it is about me. And you folks don't buy it because you're so interested in looking good that you're not interested in what God has for you. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? This is the very end of the talk, and Jesus has made his case. He said, this is why I'm innocent. I'm innocent of making myself equal with God because I am God. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. And he says, you don't understand that because you don't know God. And you don't want to know God because you want to look good. And you want to feel good about yourselves because you want to feed on each other and how much you praise each other and build each other up. And you're blind because of it. Um, the bottom line, and this is his closing case, right? The, you know, This is the point where he stops and says, I rest my case, Your Honor. Right? Because if this, this is a trial motif. And he says... Um, You don't believe me, so you don't believe Moses. You don't believe any of it. You're lost because you're ignoring me. And what it comes down to for all of us, God has set a pathway for us to find heaven. God has set a pathway for us to be saved. And it's an easy path is the crazy thing, right? 
It's not like I have to work real hard and earn it. I don't. I have faith in Jesus. I follow him and I'm saved, period. Oh, my gosh, that's so easy. But I'd really rather earn it. But I'd really rather follow the Jesus who might get me a new Lexus or a new hot tub or a new this or a new that. I would really rather follow the Jesus that if I believe in him good enough, I'll get rich or, you know, I'll have whatever. I mean, we get sidetracked about these things, and it's all over our culture. And actually, it goes the other way where it becomes, I'm the only one who's right. Have you all ever met anyone like that? You know, I'm, there's a joke about Baptists. My wife was raised Southern Baptist, where a man dies and goes to heaven, and he, he's in heaven, and he's riding up on the elevator, and St. Peter says, all right, we've got to stop talking right now. Be quiet. And they're quiet for a little bit, and he says, why do I have to be quiet? And he's like, oh, that's the floor we keep the Baptists on. They think they're the only ones here. So we, gotta, <laughs> we, can't, we can't tip our hand. Um, and it is sometimes the case where we reach this point where we're like, nobody else has it nailed down like I do. None of you guys are as good as me, right? But is that about Jesus or is that about me? It's about me. Um, what God seeks after us, and as you walk out of here, as you go off to college, Lisa, as you, as you, you know, pursue the path he set for us, God desires us to follow Jesus. God desires us to belong to Jesus. Jesus is to be like our leader, our friend, our brother, our master, our everything, our savior. He, he is everything. Um, the ordering of our path, the ordering of our steps um, is meant to pursue him, not us. Um, our life path, whatever it is, is something that's about glorifying God and pointing to Jesus. Um, husbands, men, I like pointing out men because I want us to take this seriously, men. Your job is to lead your family to Jesus, right? And to point to Jesus and to help them grow up to know him better. That's what the scriptures say, like that's in Ephesians, right? That our primary job is this pointing to Jesus, walking his path, knowing the word, but knowing him because we know the word. We're going to close in prayer, um, and then we're going to go eat lunch, which is Mike's favorite part of the morning. Um, and, and like as we're fellowshipping, as we're spending time, as some of y'all are going to run off to this graduation ceremony, like keep in your heart, keep in your mind, um, everything we walk through in life is about drawing closer to Christ. That is what life is all about. I love my wife and I know Jesus better because of it. Um, I love my kids, but I love my kids because like it's a part of loving Jesus. I do my job, but I do my job because it's part of serving Jesus. Everything falls under this umbrella. And the whole of the scriptures point toward it. And we pursue a wrong Jesus, we'll get lost. Um, Let's close. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would um, be with us today and help us to point to you. Help us to follow you. Help us to to believe your son um, and the gifts that he's given us, the, the death he died for us, the teachings he brought us. And really that he would show us you, Lord. Help us to to know you more because we know Jesus. Amen. I'm going to close in a blessing, and I'll, or with a blessing. So if you all stand up, we'll close with a blessing, and I'll let you all go eat lunch. And maybe a prayer for lunch. Should I pray for lunch right away? Yes, we'll streamline the process. Um, <laughs> so I, I real quick as, as we go into a blessing. Years ago, Jess and I went hiking in the, in the mountains in southern Indiana, and I bought a compass. And... The compass, like the longer we walked, the more lost we got. And we spent like two days walking around lost. And it was finally the case. I ran into another hiker, and I asked him which way was north. And he pointed to it, and I said, are you sure? And he pulled out his compass, and I pulled out my compass, which is a bargain bin deal. And my compass was 30 degrees off north. 
And so I, we walked around for days lost because my compass pointed in the wrong direction. Um, as you walk out of here today, as you follow Jesus, is your compass pointing in the right direction? Are you looking at the Word of God to lead you? Are you looking to the Holy Spirit to, like, bring you closer to Him? Is it about knowing Jesus or being awesome on your own part? Being comfortable or being saved? Like, my challenge for you today is, and my blessing for you is, may your compass always point in the right direction. May the heart of Jesus be in you. May you pursue Him with everything that you are. May you follow the steps that he has laid out for you without having to trip and fall along the way. Um, may you belong to him in everything that you do. Amen. Um,